things are tightening up in terms of like getting more tenants in the door. I think people are sitting on more vacancy today than historically they have around this time of year. Seemed like stuff really kind of came to a halt or really slowed down, you know, after October. Welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Show with Bob Preston. Bob is the lead consultant and podcast host at Property Management Brainstorm, the consulting and strategic planning company dedicated to the property management industry. This podcast is for property managers and company owners seeking an in-depth look into current trends toward adding doors, growing recurring revenue, and building a high-profit property management business. You'll hear from leading professionals on hot topics, success stories, and strategies for expanding your company and assuring your property portfolios are managed efficiently. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Hello, Brainstormers. This is Bob Preston, your host, broadcasting from our property management brainstorm studio in Del Mar, California. If you're new here, please subscribe so you get ongoing access to all of our great episodes. And if you like what you hear, we would sure appreciate a positive review. Before we dive in today, I'd like to also give a shout out to our amazing industry icon sponsors for helping to support the podcast, Upkeep Media, Z Inspector, Shurvester, VPM Solutions, Rentscale, Second Nature, Shodigs, Blanket, Latchel, and finally today's feature sponsor, APM Help, who you will hear more about in a brief mid-roll about halfway through the episode. The mid-market multifamily sector is a type of real estate development focusing on creating affordable housing for middle-income families. These properties typically cater to a broad demographic, including middle-income individuals and families. They tend to be more affordable than high-end luxury housing while providing quality living experiences. A person who is an expert in addressing this particular market, starting back from his time at apartments.com, particularly in terms of multifamily operations, as well as the resident experience, is Bob Hansen of Second Nature. In today's episode, Bob and I will discuss property management opportunities in the multifamily market sector and how Second Nature plays in that market and currently serves that particular property management company or investment. It's going to be a great episode, so have a listen. Hey, Bob, welcome to Property Management Brainstorm. How are you today? I'm good, Bob. Thanks for having me, man. I always start the show by learning more about my guests. Now, I, I know you pretty well. I've explored your background, which is super, super interesting. And you have a deep experience, you know, coming up through the ranks through a number of different companies, uh, not only in SFR, but also in multifamily. So I'm interested in hearing from you, right? And uh, yeah. hearing your story. So can you introduce yourself, describe your background and also your role at Second Nature? Sure. Uh, Bob Hansen. Um, I'm a principal. At Second Nature, really working more with the multifamily these days. Uh, company really got started off in the single family space. So I've been here about five years. And as we've grown, just trying to get into some other uh, other markets. Um, but my background, as you mentioned, Bob, yeah, about 20, 20 plus years of real estate experience, kind of ebbing and flowing from single family to multifamily, back to single family, both on the vendor side, as well as the operator side. So it's been, a, been quite a run. So. Sounds like a great run. And I think a good place to start the conversation, because we're going to be talking mainly about mid-market multifamily today. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a quick overview of what the mid-market segment is from your perspective and just help us what understand what we're referring to in that regard? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, for us, the way that we look at the mid-market is around 2,000 units under management, so about 12,500 doors. Um, you know, for me, and with our product, really talking to more of like class B, C operators, a lot of uh, garden style communities, maybe more um, scattered site, you know, may have a two unit here, uh, a 12 unit there, a 40 unit here, and a 120 uh-huh. unit, you know, over there. Um, that's kind of the mid-market space we're looking at and, and really a, a big a big avenue, right? A big, uh, a total addressable market for us across the country, for sure. Okay. So what's the target demographic for mid-market rentals? I mean, who are the, you know, who are these properties geared at? Uh, who comprises the tenant base and probably, you know, what's the most important thing in attracting renters to that type of property? Yeah, I would say um, all types of, of, of different people, right? People rent for different reasons, uh, whether it's location, whether it's price, amenities. Uh, I do think like in the, the class B, C mid-market, you're going to find someone, um, you know, I wouldn't say maybe more blue collar, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think cost really comes into play and location for a lot of those folks where they're renting from. Okay. What you find is, you know, oftentimes some of these communities, right? I don't, I don't think there's as many developments in a class B, C property as there are class A. You know, you've seen the class A properties and all these amenities from, sure. you know, rooftop pools to golf simulators to dog walk. <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen some some wine cellars go into that, which I'm sure is a Californian, right? The wine cellar is always nice for, for folks out there. But the class B and C properties sometimes like, you know, developed 30, 40 years ago, may have the old basketball hoop, might have a grill out there, but not a lot of amenities to help attract the tenant. And that's really where second nature comes in handy because the things that we're doing drive a lot of value, but it's not necessarily through a, a, like an on-site amenity that they get to go to, if that makes sense. Perfect. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more in, uh, in, a, in a bit, you know, as we progress through the, through the episode today. So I think it's fair to say that in most markets today anyway, you know, regardless of your region throughout the country, uh, there seems to be housing shortages pretty much everywhere. Uh, real estate prices are somewhat rising, as are the mortgage rates. So this is having an impact on the rental housing market as well. So are there any unique factors that are shaping demand for mid-market rental units that you're seeing out there? You know, we are. I, from conversations I'm having across the country is things are tightening up in terms of like getting more tenants in the door. I think people are sitting on more vacancy today than historically they have around this time of year. Seem like stuff really kind of came to a halt or really slowed down, you know, after October. So I think November really slowed down. December, the holidays, traditionally slower with with move-ins, but uh, occupancy tends to be down a little bit more today than it has in the past. So I just think a lot of the economic factors, you know, facing the country have uh, limited the amount of new people kind of moving into a rental. Do, do you think that people are just afraid to move because they may see higher rents out there or maybe, like you said, the economic factors are discouraging them? Like, kind of, hey, maybe it's time to just hunker down, right, and not do anything. Let's not make any changes. Let's just get through the next six months to a year and see where the economy goes from there. Is that what's going on out there, do you believe? Yeah, I feel like there's a good good portion of that. Um, you know, people kind of stay in put, waiting to see, right, what's going to happen or our interest rates going to change, right? Uh, are we going to have this recession that people, I mean, right, we're somewhat in a recession, but somewhat not in a recession. People are always talking about when's the recession coming? Is it not coming? You know, the market, if you saw it last week, uh, you know, I think a 52 week high. So uh, I don't know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about where things are going, but there might sure. be some people saying, hey, I'm not really to take that step. I'm just going to renew for another year or 
I'm going to keep living in my parents' uh, household because <laughs> boy, they're not even charging me anything, Bob. Maybe I'll pick up some groceries here or there. So I think there yeah. are some people definitely sitting on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, that's probably a cause for what's, what's happened in the market recently. Yeah. People are projecting, have been projecting a recession forthcoming for several years now, you know, it never quite yeah. seems to happen. So, all right. So supply and demand's a factor. What's going on in mid-market housing? Do you see any, and do you see any changes on the horizon? You know, I, I don't see a ton of change. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of the developments that I'm seeing are more of a, a large, you know, 300 unit class A, I think is where a lot of money's flowing into. I mean, certainly there's some some developments. There's some companies across the Midwest. I know they're developing, you know, 100, 120 unit buildings that do play into mid-market. But really what I'm seeing is uh, the larger community, the Class A, is where a lot of that money is being spent these days on, on construction. Okay. So I was doing some preparation for this episode, and I got on the internet. According to Zillow, rental rates in multifamily have been kind of flat, maybe even had gone down over the last 18 months. But they say Zillow's saying that they've stabilized for about a year maybe and uh you know um a lot of this is due to new construction i think new units coming in has kind of kept kept rental rates flat but what they're saying is it seems as of late the rents are back on the rise but you're seeing something different you and i were chatting before we started the episode today what are you seeing out there in terms of rent rates in the mid-market multifamily yeah i'm seeing some concessions come into play i'm seeing mm-hmm. uh pricing kind of remaining flat you know sometimes uh, uh a few extra enticing hey get a month free to kind of move in um uh, is what i've seen really in the conversations that i've i've been having with folks okay yeah okay yeah i mean that's kind of what you indicated like hey there's still a lot of vacancies out there so would would not make sense that the rents are going to be rising if there's still vacancy and uh you know the the market's not fully saturated yeah, you know, the other thing, you know, like I was just at a, uh, I'm here in Chicago and I was at the Chicago 2024 preview and mm-hmm. uh, rents were increased like over 30% just over the last couple of years, you know, and so the fact that things are, are flat, right, they're still, they're still at an all time high. Uh, and, and so I think they're, they're getting still pretty good uh, if you're an owner operator, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, we're seeing rents, especially a lot of conversations I'm having Midwest recently, uh, seeing things to be a little bit more flat these days. Well, what you're saying is not too different than what's going on in the SFR market right now, right? There's, uh, you know, vacancies are on the market longer. The rents have kind of flattened and stabilized. And so it could just be, as, as you mentioned, that, hey, you know, just like the stock market's been correcting, um, except for, you know, maybe the last month before that, there was a stock market correction. Maybe there's a correction going on in the rental market as well. For sure. I'd agree with that. Overall, Affordability in this particular segment, mid-market, you know, class B, class C, um, that's got to be tough for a lot of these tenants. Are you seeing any challenges in terms of tenants being able to, you know, make rent, you know, and what are they facing, I guess, in that mid-market segment? You know, and on our end, um, you know, because we, we, we kind of play in that space of rewarding tenants for paying on time and, and credit mm-hmm. building and whatnot. You know, it does feel like people are still doing a good job of paying those rents. Um, what I do hear from operators is, you know, they want to be cognizant of pushing rents, of bringing in new products, right? Um, because they do feel like tenants are sensitive to any raise in, in pricing. So I think there's just a lot more eyes on it. I think government's having some impact on that. A lot of conversation around, you know, what you're charging for, you know, say a valet trash coming into your community or mm-hmm. um, people making um, profit off of things, you know, the rubs, right? The rubs conversation out in Colorado and in California and some other markets. Um, I think there's just more eyes on it. And so as long as you're, 
an operator that's driving value, right? Like real substantial value, right? There's opportunities to raise some rents and do different things. If you've uh, if you haven't been driving the value, probably or conscientious of uh, and, and when you're talking about rubs, what are you referring to? Um, for example, like someone offering a, you know, um, I think the rubs conversations like in Minneapolis these days, um, where you're charging a fee for something, but maybe the value behind that fee doesn't represent the cost you're charging a tenant. And so some state governments, local governments are really trying to dive into that to make sure that if a tenant's paying for something that, uh, that, that cost is what they'd have to pay in the open market or less. In order for it to, um, you know, really drive value. Okay, um, let's shift over to the investor side, the operator, the the mm-hmm. person who's the owner, and um, operating these types of buildings. There's got to be many, many challenges to being profitable in this arena in this particular segment. What are the issues that you're seeing in terms of keeping properties performing at the right level? And I guess what are these owner operators uh, looking for from second nature when uh, they come to you to help them get their property performance um, at full, I guess, full efficiency and full profitability? Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. Yeah, I'll go back to before I joined second nature, when I was at, uh, at Home Partners America, we were looking for ways to you know, drive down costs per home to manage it. Um, you know, one of those things was HVAC, right? HVAC repairs and maintenance. A leading driver, probably for a lot mm-hmm. of operators, operators right? Um, why does that happen? Well, a lot of folks don't change an air filter out, or they don't know that they even have to change an air filter out. We've we have employees on our staff that that I've known from that work for me other places that uh, it's like no, I don't have an HVAC here. I don't even need for a filter. I'm like, do you have central air? And, and oh yeah, I do. I'm like, you have a filter. We actually then found that person's filter after living in a home for a couple of years that uh, looked like a pet, <laughs> right? Uh, and so now they're breathing clean air and they're, they've got good airflow coming through. But yeah, um, mitigating those those costs, um, we play a big impact into um, into that for an operator. It really just comes to like changing your air filters on time all the time and ensuring that you're using the correct air filter. What I've found, especially in multifamily, is a couple things. One, the use of an inexpensive $1 fiberglass filter, which I was on a call earlier with someone today. I'm like, can you explain what that like inexpensive is? Like, what does it do? I'm like, well, what it does is it really catches rocks, right? And that's about it. <laughs> Everything else flows right through. Yes, it's yeah. got great airflow, but you're not protecting your HVAC system. And I think in, in multifamily, whether it's mid-market or, you know, uh, or larger, is there used to be a lot of deals being done to where it, if you're an operator, you could put in a dollar filter versus getting a, a nice, you know, couple dollar filter that actually protects your system because mm-hmm. you are going to be flipping that or selling that community within a three to five year period. Now with the market the way it is and interest rates where they're at, you know, people are making more money just putting their money in a money market versus trying to, you know, get a, get a nice yield out of a community. Um, they were, they were not worried about air filtration because it was usually kicking the can down the road. Today, you're holding on to properties a lot longer, and so people are starting to think about CapEx costs. So sure. by changing an air filter, simply doing it on a recurring basis, you're going to get a five to seven year longer run out of your systems. Um, and so that's where we're trying to play into and help them out. Also, large energy savings, not only for the building, but also for the tenants themselves. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, uh, because in some of these mid-market multifamily, are the HVAC systems centralized versus individ- in, in the individual units? Or do you find that most of them have 
uh, HVAC systems that are particular to each individual unit? I'd say it's about 80-20, I mean, maybe 75-25, where a majority of them are in the tenant's unit. Okay. And what's happened for years is, one, there's either not been any oversight on it, or two, you're asking um, someone on your maintenance staff to go change that. And I think that's where multifamily kind of, um, I guess, right, right, like the thought of having an operator change it out for you makes sense when you have on-site maintenance in your community, all mm-hmm. right? When you're having scattered site and you've got the two-unit building and the 12-unit building, to get someone to drive around, like the time and effort and the cost it takes to do that, right, just doesn't work out. There's also not a lot of oversight in ensuring that it gets done, right, from a management perspective. You're just relying on your technician. And while there's a lot of great technicians out there, there's always one or two that, you know, might not be doing it. And that's going to cost you some money. So the idea of, like, changing the thought of how to manage that, and, and, and like, with us, we could definitely ship it individually to a tenant for them to make response, be responsible for changing that out. Right. Or we can bulk ship into the community and their staff could do it. But yeah, flipping that a little bit and, and making the tenant responsible, also putting a date stamp on it, making sure that's in the lease, right, tends to make uh, a better system and a reduction in HVAC work orders. In this fast-paced world of property management, we're often wearing more hats than we can count. And let's be honest, spending your precious time on trust account bookkeeping, not exactly a thrilling way to make the most of your day, right? So imagine having a trusted partner who swoops in, takes all that back office hassle off your plate, and lets you focus on what you do best. Enter APM Help your property management superhero. They're not just any run-of-the-mill accounting wizards. They're your backstage crew, managing trust accounting and bookkeeping seamlessly in your preferred software. We're talking top-of-the-line platforms like Appfolio, Buildium, PropertyWare, RentVine, and RentManager. They've got you covered no matter what your tech stack. So trust me, for the best in the business, choose APM Help. Don't miss out on the chance to streamline your operations and elevate your property management game. Ready to make your life a whole lot easier? Head over to apmhelp.com and let APM Help work their magic. Your future self will thank you. You know, we've talked about occupancy rates, uh, the, the, you know, the rental rates and where they are, are they flat? Are they down? Are they going up and all these kind of things? But it sounds like in this market, keeping people in place would be of huge, huge importance to the owners, investors in these buildings. Right. Um, so versus a regular or higher turnover, optimizing the occupancy is a big deal right now, particularly Mm -hmm. in this market. I mean, that's gotta be another significant priority for these, for these, uh, investors and property owners. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when you used to be able to like turn a turn a community and put a new tenant in that was paying a hundred to two hundred dollars more a month, right? That was great. But now, um, with the market the way it is, and, and people not you know not moving and not being able to get the, the rents that you might want to push for, right? It's really it's really key to keep those tenants in. You know, you don't want to have that twenty five hundred dollar turn cost and then rent yeah. the place out for less money, right? Or or well, and have it sit vacant for you know for months yeah. or you know whatever whatever is going on in that particular region. Okay, uh, so then what? So then what are the amenities and features that uh, can be found today in the mid market sector, and what is Second Nature doing to help bolster that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a better focus today on like the resident experience. That's the world we're trying to play into. Okay. You know, how, how do you keep a tenant in uh, the community longer? Um, as I do talk through even just the filter component, right? Like when I put my hat on as an operator, 
It was mold. And it was HVAC that people get most excitable about. Um, you know, a lot of those things are caused by the tenant, but they want to place blame on the property manager. Right? Sure. Uh, so the HVAC program that we have certainly helps out in that by mitigating. You know, we've done a study that proves out a 38% reduction in HVAC work orders. So if I can mitigate uh, a terrible HVAC experience by 38%, Right, a lot, a lot of less time that your staff has to take on dealing with an angry tenant. Uh, tenant has a better experience and never have that happen, so they tend to stay in the property longer. Um, that's certainly a, a, a big, big priority of ours. But we brought some other products into light. I know there's other, a lot of other companies out there doing it as well. But stuff like credit building, you know, one in ten renters today is having their credit being built. Arguably, right, their most expensive costs on a monthly basis. Um, you know, tenants that are renting, right? There's a lot of tenants that rent because they want to. There's a lot of other tenants that rent because they have to, and they can't get the qualification to purchase a property. And so the credit building comes into play uh, into that realm. You know, we've been able to see people bump 20, 30, 40 points. Uh, we have a newer employee that started with us a few months ago, and he's been renting uh, in a community that has the resident benefit package from Second Nature in there. 77 point bump since renting. Wow. Uh, yeah been renting for about 18 months uh, from this from this uh, property manager. And so, yeah, firsthand, he's like, hey, I've, I've seen a huge impact. And I don't want to go move, right? Because if only one in 10 tenants is getting their credit bill, there's not as many operators offering it. And so yeah. as you have those experiences, you know, great experiences usually, sometimes a mediocre experience, like even a mediocre experience uh, in, the, in the tenant's eyes, the credibility may keep them in from looking at another community because they're seeing that 20, 30, 40 point bump. So that's a, that's a big one. A lot of people are looking at these days. Okay. So you've made reference to the resident benefit package. That's a big piece of second nature's offering. Yeah. And basically this could be viewed from a tenant perspective as an amenity or a feature for that particular property, right? For so sure. tell us what's included. What is in the um, resident benefit package and how does that work? I mean, um, I know, you guys have made a big splash in this in the industry. So I may be asking a question that <laughs> is kind of a softball, but I mean, you guys have this program, what's included and how can it benefit not just the residents, but also the owners of these buildings or these investors who are offering it to their clients or to their tenants? Yeah, I love, I love the latter part of the question too. Like we look at it as a, mm -hmm. as a triple win. Like you often hear people at Second Nature talk, triple win this, triple win that, or yeah. say triple win. Um, there's got to be enough value in it for the investor, for the operator, and for the tenant for this to work, right? For the resident for this to work. And so when I think of it from an investor standpoint, being a former owner operator at the company I work for, um, you know, mitigating that turn cost that we just talked about, right? How do I keep a tenant in the property longer? So that I'm not spending the $2,500 year in and year out or every other year, right? If yeah. I can keep a tenant in five, seven years, right? That's a lot of money saved on, on my end as an investor. A lot of money saved as the operator, not having to do all the work that it takes to make a unit ready. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of thought that goes into that and in the products that we bring in is like, how do we keep this person happy? How do we keep them there longer? Uh, from the resident perspective, there has to be enough value in this at a cost perspective. So we, we work as a, almost as a consultant to the property manager saying, here's mm -hmm. what your price, like we would say is like the easy button to go out and get from a tenant. And then we're going to charge slightly less, you know, on that to, to the operator so that they can make a little bit of ancillary revenue off of it. Um, products that it would include, we talked about the credit building. We talked about the air filter delivery service. Um, we have a, a million dollars worth of ID theft coverage. 
that goes for every tenant in the household. Our price doesn't change regardless of how many adults are on the lease. So there's value in that. Okay. Um, we've got a rewards program that essentially pays tenants hundreds of dollars in gift cards to large stores like your Costco's, to your Starbucks, to your Red Lobsters, right? Uh, your Walmarts that they can utilize. Um, that's value to the tenant, you know, especially in a mid-market, right? Where I'm not paying three, $4,000 for rent. My rents might be 900 to $1,800. So arguably that person who's paying that rent you know, might be a little bit more challenged in terms of uh, what they can afford or can't afford. And to get gift cards uh, to nice stores, restaurants as an incentive to pay uh, rent on time, that's a nice perk that I'm getting from the property management company. So you pay rent on time and you get some sort of credit towards your uh, gift selection, if you will, or to, towards right. uh, the rewards. Okay. Yeah. So again, like getting back into that, that experience, right? How do we make, like we live in a, an experienced economy. You know, you think about it like, I, I mean, I, th- I look out my door and I see Amazon coming here every day, dropping stuff off. I see, sure. you know, my dog's food being dropped off, right? It's really easy and convenient. People want that convenience. They want it and, and they want it to bring value to them. So not only are our products doing that, uh, there's not a lot of work on the tenant side to have to utilize those products. It kind of happens behind the scenes um, with the information that we're getting and, and second nature managing. Another okay. component of it too is, is with the operator. Once the lease is signed, if they're working with a multitude of different individual partners versus working with us, they have to have someone to sign. So I kind of push data and get those products running. With us, we kind of work behind the scenes uh, with our operators and we do all the work. So once the lease is signed in terms of managing it day to day and getting that information to the bureaus, getting the uh, rewards going, getting the tenants set up on the ID, we do all that as a second nature. And I think that's a big value that, that drives people our way. Terrific. And is there an insurance element to this as well? Uh, renters yep. Yep. side? Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. So insurance, we do have insurance product, uh, whether it's a hundred thousand or three hundred thousand dollars worth of liability. And then okay. we do offer content to the tenant. Um, the value for us is, is cost. Like we feel that our cost usually, um, wins the deal, right? And, and why is that a value? Because as a partner of ours, right? As ex property management company, you're going to message to your tenant saying, Hey, because of your renting from us, we have the opportunity to lower your cost potentially from a third party company out there and doing so suffice the coverage that we're looking for you to have. The value that we also bring in too is that we're going to manage the entire program for you. So as a, a property management company, within about 45 days of executing an agreement, you should feel good that 100% of your doors are, are covered. I say this because most operators already have in their lease right? That the tenant's responsible for having insurance. And so Mm -hmm. we do is we say, hey, here's this new option for you. By this date, and there's a bunch of messaging that goes out to the tenant. By this date, you need to one, do nothing. and we'll move you over to this program. Or two, right? Sign up for this insurance. uh, Sorry. um, Two, say you want to work with your state farm. Maybe your cousin works at state farm and you want to give him the business. Um, You go ahead and put in your state farm policy, your declarations, you as the property management company are selected in a drop down as the property management company of record and the additional interest. We then have all those um, files like shipped to us, the notices to our PO box. So should someone drop coverage, second nature is notified. And then we place that tenant onto the 1095 or, well, I see. Yeah, okay. Yeah. To our policy, I should say. Um, uh, and then if the tenant says, Oh, that was by accident, I, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to not uh, have my credit card payment shut off. That's mm-hmm. fine. Just go back to our website, type in your declarations of your third party, 
and we will then adjust that and remove your charge and you go back off to the third party. So um, that's what we've been up to. And there's some unique things in there like dog bite coverage and, uh, you know, us not having breed restrictions and additional living expenses. We can get pretty competitive um, to the other options out there. Okay, terrific. So we've talked about the property managers. Are most owners of the mid-sector multifamily um, type properties hiring outside third-party property managers from your perspective that you're seeing on the market? Or are most of them like employing their own teams, kind of resident managers type situation? What's, what, what are you seeing? I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is, is there an opportunity for the mid-market multifamily sector for property management companies to build up their portfolios? Yeah, I definitely think there's an opportunity for property management companies to look at the mid-market. Um, I've been at a good amount of conferences this year that have a mix of, uh, you know, owner kind of managing their stuff, but a mm-hmm. lot of owners I'm talking to still utilizing a third-party company to manage the business for them. In okay. fact, you know, a lot of them are finding multitude of companies over multiple markets. So they may work with three different property management companies because they're spread out across the country. So I do think there is opportunity as a, as a property manager to tap into that. So for those property owners and investors that are self-managing or hiring their own teams, uh, do you, as second nature, work with those types of owners as well, even though there's no property manager? Because we're kind of talking about the triple win. Yeah. Uh, can can the, the property owner engage with you guys as well? And then just instead of the property manager making the fee, you know, yeah. they get... The, they, they get Absolutely. The, the, I mean, it's a okay. triple win, but two thirds of it coming from one side of the equation, right? The owner, owner operator sure. uh, take it on. Yeah. I mean, it's for us, it's, it's all, um, you know, it doesn't matter for us, right? Every, every manager company kind of works and effectively manages uh, the product the same for me having okay. a conversation, right? It, it probably increases the time to close when you have the owner operator and everyone in the same room versus sure. a couple of conversations. So I, I don't mind that personally. Okay. Um, do you, as second nature, ever get involved in helping property managers or the mid market multifamily owners kind of measure customer satisfaction or, or resident satisfaction? Is that something that you ever do? Um, I probably to a degree that you're looking for and that I could put a number on it and stamp it with approval. I would say myself, no, I think it's an area that we, we want to get into a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Others are. I'm just not as familiar personally. Yeah. Okay. It would be an interesting concept, right? To say, okay, before the resident benefit package and after, you know, here's here's the impact it made um, or, you know, do some surveys or something like that. Yeah, so I, I think you, know, you could look at one way of measuring that is, is retention. You know, I think certainly that's an opportunity. That's true. You know, prior, yeah. to, prior to working with us to working with us now. Um, yeah, that's certainly an area I think that is part of the story, you know. All right. So I guess in summary, then, what do you see for the outlook for the multifamily uh, mid-market sector? What do you think is happening out there? Where is it headed? What's the outlook? Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, an area. It's a very attractive area for a tenant just based on cost location, which is a key part of where people are living today. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see, you know, personally for me and our company, opportunities to help mid-market accounts attract more tenants. You know, um, there's kind of been an amenities war in the class A communities, um, you know, with bringing in other products, not only from Second Nature or other, you know, uh, comparable uh, operators out there. I think the mid market has an opportunity to really find a way to attract more tenants to their to their units. <laughs> Part of it. 
And I guess in terms of property managers who are listening today, is there an opportunity out there for the mid-market sector and multifamily to take these on as properties, maybe target them, go find them, talk to the owners and bolster their portfolios? Or like, do you see it saturated from that perspective already? No, I think there's a real opportunity to come in. Um, you know, if you're looking to get in, get a community and you want to enhance that community, whether it's bringing in yeah. additional resources and products that like say a company like Arcan, our company can bring in, or uh-huh. it's like remodeling, refurbishing, you know, bringing that community up to date. You'll find that there's a decent amount of opportunity uh, in that world, right? To go purchase something and bring a little new life to it. I certainly think that you can make some some good returns on those yields that I'm trying to bring in. All right, Bob. Hey, this has been a fantastic conversation. We need to wrap up in the interest of time. What are your closing thoughts uh, to share with our listeners about this market, about you know what Second Nature can offer in it, and uh, just give us your summary? Yeah, I think that operators who are, have always been living in the current state of the resident experience, or you know the past state of the resident experience, are those that are kind of going to be left behind. There's so much opportunity with technology moving forward that they can capitalize on. So I would, anyone listening to this conversation, start thinking about the future state of the resident experience, right? Um, Start thinking about the younger generation of moving into these communities and how long they're going to be in there, right? From, I look at my parents in the baby boomer world to myself, to I look at some cousins that are younger, like we all want different things. And and sometimes those uh, operators who are living in the past, um, they're kind of going to get you know, uh, they're going to fall behind, in my opinion, because this new generation wants so much more. They want con- like contactless. They want things at their fingertips. They want technology. They want AI, right? Those are areas to lean in on. And so sure. I would say, like, o- open your ears, right? Have conversations. Talk with other like-minded folks in your space. As we know, what's good for one operator is usually good for most operators. You know, there's other people out there that have come before you that are doing the new things. Talk with them firsthand and, and get some great feedback and try to do something new in 2024. Great, great advice. Hey, I know you're a, a family man. Uh, you love coaching youth football. I think you even did some refereeing in the past. I, last time yeah. I saw you was in a in a pub. We were hanging out and uh, you were drawing up plays, I think, on the back, back of napkins <laughs> while yeah. we're sitting there. <laughs> How are your teams doing? Is the season over now or what's going on with the Yeah, uh, the, youth the seasons football? have wrapped. Uh, we had a we had a flag football team. I think maybe we were talking through that. That was a bunch yeah. of five to seven year olds. And uh, we don't really keep score too much, but the, the coaches kind of internally keep score. I think we, I think we went undefeated this season. Then my, my other guy uh, went six and three. We had whooped a team and earlier in the season and they came back week one and whooped us in the playoffs, went on to win the championship. They just kind of blew through the next round and um, put it on the, another team that, that, that they had not had any losses. The two, the two wins after us were against no loss team. So we feel a little bit better that we lost the team that won the Super Bowl. But uh, oh, wow. already, already gearing up and getting ready for next year. So. Okay. And when do they start, you know, donning the pads and the helmets? Is that coming soon for your kids? No, we've got a time. we got to get through baseball okay. season, basketball season. That's a nice thing with, with youth sports, is especially with football. I think the, the commitment with football, while kids should be training, and I'm a big proponent of kids playing multiple sports, not just one. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we give them a good, good, good amount of time off. I think we don't kick back up until – Practices start like July 30th or something like that next year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bob. And if someone wants to contact you to reach out either to you or Second Nature to learn more about the company or this particular market, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, they can go to uh, 
www.secondnature.com, or they could reach out to me, B Hansen, B H A N S E N, at secondnature.com. Okay, terrific. Hey, Bob, thanks for being on the show today. I hope to see you soon in person. I know you're a big NARPM uh, attendee as well. Uh, I am in, and you know, maybe you know, we'll see you at an upcoming conference and we'll cross paths again. And, and uh, you know, you'll show me some of those trick plays you got for your, for your kids. In addition to keep me educated on the multifamily market, that'd be fantastic. Well, most definitely. Hey, I really appreciate it, Bob. Uh, you're, you're a great supporter of the industry. And uh, thank you for giving me the time to be on your show today. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, man. We'll take care. All right. Bye-bye. As we wrap up today, I'd like to make a quick plug to our listeners to click on the subscribe button, give us a like, and if you would, please pay it forward with a positive review. Thank you for tuning in to Property Management Brainstorm, where we are always working hard to find new ways to advance the property management industry, and we will catch you next time.